Hey there, friends. You're listening to the third season of Revving Up. We are intern ministers at the Community Church of New York. And on this show, we talk about the path of ministerial formation, Unitarian Universalist style. On this season, inspired by the Riddle and Mystery curriculum written by Richard S. Kimball, we're exploring life's big questions. Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the journey. I'm Megan Henry. And I'm Carrie McAvoy. And we're revving up. viewers and listeners and revving up community this is Carrie McAvoy and here with Megan and our producer extraordinaire Amy um, we've been doing the riddle and mystery uh, tapestry of faith curriculum talking about life's big questions and since this is our last episode of revving up in this iteration, we thought that we would do a kind of retrospective um, a reflection on what it's been like to be uh, putting the show together and including our all of you in our process. And um, so, yeah, so Megan, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I had a really big weekend, um, lots of uh, church stuff happening on Sunday and that was super fun and um, we are in, in one of the congregations I serve we're back in person on Sunday mornings so it's very active like you know all of the things are happening and you know seeing lots of people it's exhausting and wonderful and amazing and then I'm usually pretty tired on Mondays because I'm still recovering from all of that um putting all that energy out and receiving all of that energy of the excitement of us being in person, um, you know, after these long, long pandemic times. And also just the awkwardness of trying to figure out how to do it safely and well still, you know, and really negotiating and managing those um, encounters. So it's good. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling a little tired from that and also a little bit energized, strangely, having that balance. And How are you, Amy? Hi, um, I'm I'm well. Thanks, Megan and Carrie, and hello to the revving up audience. My name is Amy Wilson. I use she/her pronouns, and I've been behind the scenes the producer of Revving Up since its inception back in January, February of of 2020. Uh, and now that you know we're all moving on. I'm really excited to sort of pull back the curtain a little bit and, and talk a little bit about what it has been like to produce a specifically Unitarian Universalist media project, because I think um, not only in this time of pandemic, but also just in a time of rising political polarization and the rise of the religious right um, in broadcasting, this is a really important time for 
people who identify as on the religious left, shall we say, um, to be putting forward things that represent our perspective and building community through media. So I'm excited to be able to discuss that a little bit today with Megan and Carrie. Fantastic, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to dig a little bit more into that too, just this um, why we did this and where we started from and where we have come to and what that's been like for all of us. Um, so how shall we start? Carrie, do you wanna um, get us started? Yeah, well, I can start with a context. Um, so this was, um, this was an idea that our teaching pastor, Reverend Peggy Clark at Community Church, um, gave to us. We were three intern ministers at the time, um, Megan, myself, and Anthony, and we were to just create a podcast um, to explore what it means to be doing that kind of media, um, both as interns and as ministers. Um, so I think that's where it came from. And we were really given free reign to figure out what we were going to do, who our, who our audience was, what we were gonna talk about. Um, this was of course a period of time when we were just going into the um, winter after the pandemic started. Um, ministry looked a whole lot different than it did the year before. Um, so how there were a lot of questions like what does this look like what how are we going to structure this and and all of that one thing i remember from that process is that it was highly collaborative uh including perhaps some of the people who are now our listeners and viewers had an opportunity to give input because you as the intern ministers had the wonderful idea to do a survey about what people might be interested in seeing from this type of show. So even from the very beginning, when we were thinking about content and audience and the title of the show and the subtitle of the show, we were not only soliciting feedback from each other, but also from the people who we thought could be a potential, potential constituency for the show, which is one thing that I think distinguishes uh, sort of our approach to broadcasting from another approach to broadcasting. We didn't have to think about being palatable to advertisers or you know, reaching the maximum number of people. We were able to approach it with a sense of um, intentionality from the very beginning and have those values baked in from the start. Yeah, and it, it was, I thought it was, it was interesting because we did kind of narrow, sometimes we, we narrowed down to um, well, we want to be speaking about uh, and sharing this um, process and what it's like to be an intern minister in a liberal faith. And we thought, well, maybe only people who are doing ministerial internships will want to, will, will care about this or will want to listen to this. But then we were like, well, maybe, and maybe just people who are interested in Unitarian Universalism are curious about it, or somebody who might be considering going into the ministry might listen to this podcast and get some insight into 
um, the kinds of things that intern ministers do or what it's like to be in ministry um, from that kind of newbie perspective with fresh eyes of like, whoa, this is what, this is what's happening. Or, you know, I don't, you know, the kinds of questions that we might bring up. And I felt like um, that I, and I love that you brought up how collaborative it was at at the beginning and it was conceived, this has been conceived of being collaborative. And we started the Facebook group and put questions there and asked people to, you know, email us and engage with us. And we even did a live, um, we did a couple of live events, one in, in person where, um, and then another one using this format where people could just um, ask us questions real time. And that was super fun. And I love that people, that we had some sort of audience to reach out to from the beginning or some like imagined audience, um, at least amongst other UU intern ministers that we could ask them, what kinds of things do you wanna hear us talk about? And um, the name, the name survey was really fun too. Does anybody remember what any of the other name options were? Because I'm not remembering any of them now. I'm just only, <laughs> I'm just so stuck on revving up. <laughs> Which is a great name, I think. I, lo I love the for revving up. Revving up. Yeah. 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 I don't remember anyone, the rest of them. I was going to say, for anyone who doesn't know, usually, oftentimes, UU ministers, once they are ordained, they become called Rev, short for Reverend. So it's like Rev Peggy. Is, so we say Rev, Reverend Peggy or Rev Peggy. So that's where we got the revving up from. Yeah. Becoming Revs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I think revving up was the clear standout. I, we should look back and see what were the other options, but I think revving up was the one that really caught people's attention yeah. because of yeah, that. I, I, that's my memory as well. Yeah. And people were curious to know, have us discuss um, things like um, ministerial presence. And um, we talked a lot about our um, clinical pastoral education and what kind of impact that made on us and um, pandemic times, being a minister in pandemic times, meeting people that you've only ever, you only ever know through Zoom. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, people seem to be very interested in those type of practical topics. And I think as you said, Megan, that really shaped our first couple of seasons as we were focused on, you know, occasionally the conversation would um, veer into something that was a bigger picture conversation. For instance, one of my favorites uh, in our first couple of seasons discussed, um, you know, compensation and other financial and economic realities for intern ministers and for people pursuing a life in spiritual work. And I think that kind of spoke to our approach in general as well as that you two and Anthony when he was broadcasting with us as well were always very open very willing to share of your own experiences and to frame things in a really practical type of advice giving light that I'm not sure that if there are other people out there putting out similar things for this particular audience I, I'm not aware of them. I think this might be somewhat of a new, a new thing that we were trying out with this particular show. Yeah, I, I think part of our, uh, the way that we chose our audience was this really um, unique situation to where there were three interns at the same congregation with the resources to do this kind of project. 
So um, that just lent itself to, we've got three people who are intern ministers with three different perspectives. And um, I, I feel like in ministry, the more perspectives you have, the more useful it is because we all come from our own experiences and our own backgrounds. So we, um, I remember that people wanted to know about our personal stories. Why did we become ministers? Why are we becoming ministers? Um, what went well? What didn't go well? Um, you know, being able to share that personal perspective and have three of us in the same environment, but with this rich history of experiences has, is, is really um, something that provided a, a rich opportunity to share with, with others. Another thing that I've always loved about the show is that it just, and we, so I will pause and say that this is not the only community church podcast. Uh, we already had a, a podcasting program when Revving Up started, and it started led by um, our senior minister, Peggy Clark, who really was the one who had a vision that a church could be doing podcasts, which I think is pretty, pretty remarkable. And, and she deserves the credit for, you know, making that that happen. Um, so we already had a, a podcasting program when Revving Up started. And I think what I'm about to say is true of, of both of the programs that we've been able to put out, which is that it's also an issue of modeling respectful conversation and modeling how to talk to other people about pretty sensitive issues, whether those be, you know, I, I particularly remember stories from each of you, Megan talking about being a young single mother and feeling alienated from Unitarian Universalism in certain ways and the elitism that was encountered in the faith. You talked about that very honestly. Carrie, listening to you talk about losing your husband and having an epiphany and going into ministry and having this calling to you know, fight back against white supremacy and white supremacy culture, that's a moment that you know I remember. And even talking about it, I'm feeling like a little, like my hairs are standing up a little bit, you know, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's not an entirely natural environment just because we are being recorded and this is being broadcast. But I think when I watch the two of you talk to each other, I just really see, feel, and hear a level of compassion and respect that you have for each other. And that comes out in conversation. And I just think, you know, that is a skill that is important for people to develop as part of a spiritual practice. So I'm interested in how broadcasting and interviewing can reflect those values and, and you know, um, deeds, not creeds, uh, demonstrating what Unitarian Universalism can be like and the type of people that are developed by Unitarian Universalism by developing these relationships with audiences. Yeah, it's, um, I, I've always, when I first started, I was super um, nervous because I'm not the kind of person that just is comfortable speaking what's on my mind. And this has been a really um, big growing thing for me it, during ministerial formation. But I was surprised at how, like after the first one or two episodes, I, I started feeling really natural. And it's, it's really great because um, Megan, you've, you've told me that you are, um, you are a verbal processor. I am not. And so, but the way that we're able, from my perspective, to share the space and bring our own personalities in 
knowing that um, we both respect each other. Um, and um, I, it's just been a real gift to be able to, to create with you, Megan. And with you, Amy, um, you bring in, Amy is always putting in these little zingers in the chat box to spark our conversation. <laughs> and um, so while you don't know what's going on in the background, she, is, she has been critical to making this as um, nuanced and rainbowy as it is. So <laughs> it's so true. Thank yes. You. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I do. It is interesting that we, Carrie and I, process differently and that we're doing the, having these conversations together and figuring out how to um, give one another enough space and have a conversation while it's also being recorded and being aware that people are going to be listening to it. So, you know, whereas I, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I, my verbal processing, I feel like I'm needing to figure out how to condense what I'm saying and I'm doing it in the moment, right? Like I'm talking and thinking, I need to cut this short or how can I be more concise or, you know, so it's been really great practice. Um, and I really appreciate and thank everyone who has had to listen to those verbal um, processings from me. And also that probably gives Carrie time to think. <laughs> and Amy too. <laughs> so there's like this um, kind of nice um, back and forth that happens that I, I really like and appreciate and that and I think it's really interesting Amy that you brought up that that is like having dialogue is um, that that there is an opportunity to model what it is to have dialogue and to go back and forth and to have respectful conversations with one another at a time in our country and in our world where there's so little of that modeling that is actually happening and um, I, I love that. I love to think that maybe we've done that too, which is which is great. Now we haven't had a whole lot of disagreements or anything like that, but um, at the same time, you know, it can be um, when we are not practiced at having conversations anymore, because so often people are communicating in snippets back and forth on social media. Then um, it we get you know like anything we need to practice it. We need to work that muscle. It's important to have conversations with other people. And um, if you feel awkward about doing it, just try anyway, because there's no way to get over that until you actually do it some. And that's also something that's somewhat unusual in the way that we've been able to approach revving up um, and all of the community church broadcasting programs is that they're very, they're, they're not highly edited. Um, they're not um, even if you listen to something like NPR, which I imagine that a lot of crossover between somebody who might listen to Revving Up and somebody who might listen to, say, Brian Lehrer, if you're here in, in New York City, um, NPR interviews tend to be very highly edited. Once hmm. you start hearing it, you you keep hearing it. Um, it's not uncommon to take a 45-minute interview and edit it down to about five minutes, which is for the sake of covering a wide range of things and getting in a wide perspective um, on, on topics, but it does subtly influence the way that you think people talk and the way that you think people talk about certain issues because what you're hearing, it's very similar to Photoshop in a, in a magazine. 
what you're hearing doesn't actually reflect people's organic speech and people's organic um, thought processes. And, and that's something that I think I, I bring to it because I work in other types of audio and media production and that's my approach there as well. And for me, that started back in my early 20s when I was able to take a class um, at the University of Michigan uh, called Feminist Practice of Oral History. And kind of a filler class in my senior year, I thought, oh, this sounds interesting. Let me just tag this on. And as is so often the case, it turned out to be one of the most influential things I've ever done in my life, just in terms of what I learned about how to approach people when you want them to speak on a recording and what it means to be recording people. Because as well, there's a power dynamic that comes in when you're the one who's holding the recorder. And so one of the things that we do um, at, at Revving Up and at Community Church Broadcasting is that the people who are being recorded um, always have the power to stop the recording at any time. We have a system where it's essentially like a safe word where anybody who's being who's participating can always just say, you know, let's cut the recording. I need a moment, a snack to deal with an emergency, whatever it may be. And that actually comes direct from what I learned about the feminist practice of, of interviewing is giving the people who are being recorded a sense of agency and a sense that they have control over where their words are going to be used, how their words are going to be edited and whether or not they're, they're being recorded. So that's a little bit of insider knowledge. That's really amazing, Amy. Thanks for sharing that. What's the name of the class again? Feminist Practice of Oral History. And wow. I wish I could remember the instructor's name, um, but I don't. She was a lovely Filipina feminist. Uh, shout out to a Filipino feminist on our staff, Errol Delo Santos, who is probably listening and, and watching to this. Um, she was a wonderful Filipina feminist. And so she had us call her Auntie Emily, which is what is a common, a common mark of respect for the elder in that culture. So I don't remember her last name, unfortunately, but she was a wonderful scholar. I really, I'm really interested in that. Now it's taking me down a whole nother road and thinking, but, and yes, uh, you're right. We have, um, I forgot and I, or I hadn't even thought about, it. I forget that I just listened to podcasts and these conversations, these interview podcasts. And I wasn't even thinking about the fact that I'm being fed edited material that is giving me some sort of idea of how conversations happen, but actually as a curated um, way that a conversation happens, not the real natural way conversations happen. So just like the way um, we are influenced by the images that we see to think, you know, like this is beauty or this is what that should look like. This is what my apartment should look like or whatever. That's the kind of thing that's happening with what we're hearing, what we're listening to also. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, wow. This is yeah, my soapbox about... moment. This is the thing that I want people to, more people to know about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I think about our conversations, there's, there's space in there. There's, there's moments of silence where we're, whether we've responded to something really emotional or we're just thinking or musing or, or whatever. And some podcasts are just so, you know, no, no empty moment, constant energy, and um, so I, I, I've really valued that kind of space that we're given. And I think it's really important 
when you are a minister because um, silence, room for silence can be so generative. Uh, we don't have to be talking all the time. That reminds me of something that we were exposed to in my first semester at the at Meadville Lombard Theological School um, was a poem called Fire by Judy Brown. And the poem, it was kind of like the framing for our in-gathering that, um, that year, that fall. And um, I'll just tell you how it starts. What makes a fire burn is space between the logs, a breathing space. I feel like in conversations, that is also true. Some space to breathe. The thing that, you know, like the fire, the, the fire of the conversation grows by allowing there to be some space in between the comments, time to think, reflect, yeah. And as, you know, modern artists have taught us, like John Cage have taught us, like, is it ever really silence? Right. If you think about the classic piece 433, where he sat at a piano and the, the piece was people shuffling in their seats and feeling uncomfortable and, and coughing and looking in their program going, what's going on here? Right. And that is <laughs> that was the music that he was trying to create. That's a very intentional and deliberate example of it. But I think it just goes to show you, you know, that silence isn't a negative space. There's a lot of presence in silence. And well, I think our, thing. oh, sorry. See, just like that, this will be there. This will show up in the podcast. So I was just going to mention also the times when we accidentally step on one another when we're speaking or when we are, you know, kind of flustered or, you know, those, those kinds of things. And, and the, I, I will say that that has been a progression because at first I was so nervous and worried about trying to do everything so perfectly. And then as we relaxed into doing this and just having conversations and talking, um, it just became like Carrie was saying so much, I think it became more natural. I felt like it became more natural and less put, I, I put less pressure on myself and just kind of tried to be myself and have a conversation. And um, there was, um, I have a, a tiny little story about that from my past, which is that way, way back when, um, a long time ago, I was involved in um, a pirate radio station. And um, we, um, it was this like moment in time when the FCC had like opened up and unregulated um, certain parts of the airwaves or whatever, like there was this fight back and forth with the FCC and I don't remember all the ins and outs, but we, um, in the, in the town where I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee, we started a pirate radio station and, um, it was called KFAR, K-F-A-R, Knoxville First Amendment Radio. <laughs> it was great. Really, really great. We had our own logo and we did fundraisers, you know, the whole thing. And my friend, um, one of my friends and I um, had a show. Um, it was called Black Eyed Susan and the Red Menace. And it was just the two of us. And I was Black Eyed Susan and he was the Red Menace. And um, we would just pick 
like topics from the news or like things that we were thinking about, you know, and we would just have a conversation and record it and, and do it live. And that was our radio show. Um, so funny, this just us talking about this process reminded me that I have done that before a really long time ago. And I didn't, I wasn't even really thinking about it in the same, um, you know, in line with this, but that is something that, um, I think we, and it was the same kind of thing where, you know, we'd be awkward, we'd have silences, we would change our mind about something mid-sentence or, you know, all of those things that we do in real life. And um, we don't have many examples of that in our lives. So thank you so much to both of you for just like helping make that happen and, and for being so willing to do it for all three of us doing it together and all four of us when Anthony was with us and um, yeah. Very, very cool. And definitely have to shout out um, the listeners and the people who have been just super supportive of the show from day one. And there's one name that we gotta just make sure is said in our last episode of wrapping up in this configuration, which is, you wanna try to do it together? All right, okay. I'll count down, three, two, one. Randy. Randy. Thank you, Randy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Randy. Randy's just kind, thoughtful, positive comments have just been such a joy on top of putting everything out there and just feeling so connected to Randy, even though I've never met you, Randy, but um, you know, I feel like I've got a friend in you and I, I hope you consider me <laughs> in the same way because I just really appreciated your consistent engagement with the show. Absolutely. Thanks, Randy. And also thank you, go ahead, go ahead. Same, you go, you're gonna say it. <laughs> and um, thank you to Community Church, the congregants, the staff, Reverend Peggy for having this uh, this brainchild and giving us the opportunity to, to experiment and, and produce and put together this show. Thank you to our dear friend Virtus for coming in as a guest speaker and for engaging with the podcast and with us over time as well. Um, really, really appreciate um, Virtus's contributions and engagement as a, um, also a fellow seminarian, both Randy and Virtus are. So um, yeah, and hopefully this will, you know, who knows what will happen. Maybe there will be future community church interns who will take, uh, take over revving up and move it into the future, which would be really, really cool. I'd love to see that happen. I'll speak a little bit about sort of my hopes for this project writ large, and then maybe we can hear your two sort of next steps as a way to wrap up our, our series finale. Ah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would really hope, I, I really hope that Unitarian Universalists and other, you know, liberal religious um, types of formations will really consider uh, investing in media, whether that be um, podcasting, YouTube, community access, uh, local TV stations, local radio stations, which still exist um, in a lot of towns around the country, even though that's definitely been on the decline, but uh, they can be really powerful hubs, especially for, you know, local politics and, and activism and things like that. Um, and particularly one, one hope that I'll share that um, I never got to make happen at community church, but I think would be wonderful would just be to see a show of some type that was led by Unitarian Universalist uh, youth and teens. 
Um, as a lifelong Unita Unitarian Universalist myself, I really remember how seriously we took things like being given the opportunity to speak in front of the congregation or make publications that reflected what we were talking about and what we were thinking about. I remember how much that meant to me as a teen. And I think it's really powerful when you hand teens the microphone and tell them that they can speak about what's important to them. Um, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here with a, a literal director of religious education in the, in the room, but you know, I think, I think Unitarian Universalist teens have a lot to say, and I would love to see them um, engage in this type of project with agency, supported and guided uh, by adults, but definitely with their thoughts and their opinions at the forefront of what was being put out. Mm. Amen, for sure. Oh, Megan and Carrie. Talking. What are your what are your hopes? What are your dreams? Next steps? Megan. Um, let's see. So I will um I'll share that I guess for this hmm, I hope my my hopes and dreams for Unitarian Universalists and religious liberals and progressives is very similar to what Amy was talking about near the beginning of this um, episode, which has a lot to do with um, not, I, I hope that we will re-engage with the public square with being, um, and I know, I mean, I, I have a hard time doing it because it can be really hard, especially with the way that people interact on social media and things like that. But if you can find your place and your voice and your space where you are willing and able to be um, sharing our liberal progressive faith values into the public sphere. I think that's really, really important and having those accessible to as many people as possible now that we can, we have so much more ability to do that in the world. And um, I don't, it makes me sad when I hear that people just never had heard of Unitarian Universalism. So that's why they never found us or, you know, oh, you know, I've been looking for this my whole life. I never could find it. And I think that we have so many opportunities to create um, ways for people to, to learn about what we, what we are doing and what we do have to offer and that that's a way that we can make the world a better place. So I'm, I really hope for that. And um, I also, yeah, my, my next steps are that I hope that I will graduate from seminary. Um, I'm going to take a little extra time and I'm gonna graduate next year. And I'm going to confront the ministerial fellowship committee at the end of September, this, this coming next sep September in the fall. And um, with some of my buds, we're all gonna be going together, yay. Um, and um, then I hope that I, I pass through that process and am able to become um, fellowshiped preliminarily with the UU Association of Ministers and get ordained. And I want to continue doing the kind of ministry that I have been doing with families, with children, with youth. I do a lot of, I started out as working with UU youth in particular, which is like high school age. And I um, still do a lot of that and I plan to keep doing it. And who knows, I'll see where, see where my ministry takes me. But um, I expect I'll be in um, Brooklyn next year. Um, where I hope Unitarian Universalist goes in, in, in the context of 
what we've explored in this podcast is um, moving away from centering everything around Sunday. And um, I think one of the blessings of the COVID pandemic, not that there's, I mean, it's been horrible, but one of the one of the things that it's, the opportunities that has opened up is virtual spaces and how can we as Unitarian Universalists with a faith that is interfaith, that is beyond, um, it, it is an organized religion, but it is also a more broader spiritual umbrella. And I, and I think that there is a lot of um, healing and salvation in that kind of religion. And um, exploring these kinds of formats for moving away from uh, let's put a service together on Sunday in person. What does Unitarian Universalism, what does interfaith, what does spirituality look like in a virtual format, in a media produced format? Um, when we have the younger generations coming in who are not used to going to church on Sunday, when we have a society where all kinds of different offerings are offered on Sundays. Like when I was growing up, you didn't even go to people's houses on Sunday. Um, that was not something you did. You were with your family. So, you know, we we're in this culture shift. So how can we use podcasts and media in a, in a authentic and spiritually grounded way. That's my hope for, for Unitarian Universalism in this, in this kind of theory that we've explored. For me personally, uh, I'm still discerning what my ministry is going to look like. I hope to graduate in the spring and see the MFC at the end of September among Megan and some of my other colleagues. And I have been offered two different chaplain residencies. So I will choose between them and uh, do three units of CPE. And um, so that will carry me through. And then just see what, up, what else opens up in my heart in, in my, op what opportunities are out there where, where, I'm, uh, where I see my ministry taking place. Wonderful. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's hard to say goodbye knowing that this is our last one. I think it's really just hitting me now that we're coming to the end of this conversation. Yeah. 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 It is hard to say goodbye. And I, I, um, this has been such a meaningful kind of grounding and anchor place for me during this time doing internship during a pandemic. And when a time when it is so hard to connect with people and um, this having this weekly, um, you know, for many months at a time, knowing that I had this time set aside, that I'd be here with you all, it's been very grounding and it's been a really important um, part of my experience as an intern minister. So I'm so glad that I've been on this path with both of you. And with all of our listeners and viewers, yes. Listeners. Yes. Yes. we have our whole community. So it is, yeah, it's, it's very hard to say goodbye. So maybe it's not even just, I mean, goodbye is, is good and that's fine. And also I'm sure that there are some things that are going to continue on. 
<laughs> so I, uh, as much as I shy away from saying like, it's not goodbye, um, it, it kind of isn't because in many ways we're all going to continue to stay connected. It's just not gonna be exactly in the same format. Right, right. Absolutely, and, and you know, I, if hopefully the lines of communication will remain open enough that, you know, if somebody out there is inspired by our project to do something, whether it looks anything at all, like what we've done or not, you know, I, I think we'd love to hear about it, right? So I think we'd, we'd love to sort of stay in touch with the community and the, the wider UU and liberal religious worlds and sort of keep track of the media there and, and see what comes out. And, and I have one more soapboxy thing to say before we, before we oh, close. Oh, good. Seize <laughs> my opportunity. You know, when you say, Megan, that um, the weekly nature and the sustained nature of recording the podcast was an important part for you of what it meant. I think that's also true of listeners of podcasts as well and listeners of regular shows. You know, you think about, you know, in the early days of mass communication and mass media when radio was really the only game in town, you had people gathering around the radio every week to listen to a favorite show or to hear a politician like Franklin Roosevelt address the country and he was able to do so much good and build so much connection with the United States population at a time that was very difficult for many people by being consistently and consistently there and reliable and putting out a message of hope and connecting with people in this mass communication form. So I think as well if we're looking to you know our spiritual leaders whether they be Unitarian Universalists or you know, other people who are aligned with us in, in certain key ways, you know, I'd also put, put that to them of there's, there's something to be said about the more casual format of a weekly show that maybe doesn't feel, to Carrie's point, that doesn't feel like a, a sermon, but that still feels like a way of staying connected to somebody who you're looking to for guidance. I think that could be a really powerful thing to explore. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's a great, that's a great way to end. Thank you all. Thank you all. Yes, thanks everyone. Mm -hmm.